Welcome to the Athlon Sports Cover 2 podcast here on AthlonSports.com. Lots of stuff to discuss today as we enter the holiday season. Mitch Light, Braden Gall, you can follow us on the Twitters. Interact that way at Athlon Mitch, at Braden Gall. Podcast at AthlonSports.com is the email. We read each and every one of those. Uh, and of course, rate, review, and subscribe, please do that so we do appreciate all of that um our next podcast mitch some bookkeeping here real quickly i know we talked about doing a mailbag we totally lied to you guys uh our next podcast will be the preview podcast we did get a few questions we did and i'll we can bring them we'll we'll choose a few of them yes uh however our next podcast will be the preview podcast for the college football playoff the ohio state yes um which is also not in the playoff though no no, they didn't get in, Mitch. No, they didn't. We don't break news on the podcast. <laughs> Wait, the committee just we came out. With their, yeah, yeah, the committee just came out with their rankings. I don't so, know if it's been out there yet. So the we will go in depth on both games on our. That will be our Christmas edition of the podcast. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when it's going to come out yet, but it will come out, and you'll have it all week next week to consume and digest and get ready for the following Saturday. Uh, one quick note, uh, and we'll discuss this on the other pod, but I love. The playoff being on a on a Saturday, the 29th. I love it. You mean college football? I love a it. Big college football yeah. game on a Saturday. Yeah, we'll talk about it on it the makes next Makes sense. Pod. But that will be where we make our official picks on both games and give you everything we need to know, everything you need to know, everything we do know about those two games, those two matchups. Um, we'll do that coming up on the following pod. That will come out here in the next few days. We're recording this on Tuesday. So, uh, all right. That said, so as a part of this week's podcast, we will discuss National Signing Day because it's not really the early signing period anymore. It's just the signing period, sort of like the Ohio State University. I mean, it could be upwards of 80% of the recruits signed this week. So we are we're recording this before the signing period. So we'll discuss sort of in broader general terms recruiting right now because it's such a big part uh, of, of college football. But we're not going to be sitting here breaking down where like the 386th ranked player is going to go between – you know Mississippi State and and Houston. I'm not pick. We're not doing that. But um, we will cover recruiting in in a little. I think he's going to state. It's probably true. Yeah. Um, doesn't like the system. Uh, really, he doesn't like the jackets you have to wear at Houston. On right. The like, am I playing? Am I second team jacket? What do I? I I'm get confused. Yeah, some people want a gray jacket. Some people want a leather jacket. It's just you just never know. So we're we're not going to be covering necessarily recruiting from that angle, but we'll look at it from a big picture storyline. I've got some stats on the teams that have made the playoff as it pertains to recruiting. So we'll get you some some recruiting news and, and nuggets a little bit later on. Uh, and we will talk about, of course, we have to today on the show the evolving conversation about playoff expansion because we've had multiple stories written from multiple angles and multiple people have said multiple things and we'll discuss um but let's start with the first big piece of news and that is justin fields exploring a transfer from the georgia bulldogs number one player in the nation as a recruit basically 1a 1b with trevor lawrence he plays all 12 games at Georgia. He is appealing the NCAA for a chance to play right away. That will be a part of his transfer process should he go through with this. My first question for you, Mitch, is how many division races? Just let's look ahead to April when we're putting the magazine together. How many division races could Justin Fields individually impact? Very early stages, not having all the research and information in front of you. But how many division races could he impact should he decide to transfer into that division? A lot. Um, off the top of my head, Big Ten East would be a tiebreaker, in my mind, between Ohio State and Michigan. Sw- swing in Ohio State's favor, okay. if, if it wasn't okay. already that. 
I've seen Mississippi State thrown out there. Joe Moorhead connection. He don't think him. you know he would. We would Mississippi State would not be the pick in the West, but they would go from a team that's losing a lot of players, especially on defense, to maybe slipping to fourth or fifth and sixth in the division to maybe being second or third in the division. And, and forget what you've actually seen because I'll, I'll give this out right now. It sounds like Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Florida State are the three frontrunners. Okay. Forget those where he actually might go. Just in in our world of picking magazine picks and making trying to predict all this stuff. Like, I think almost every division, except for maybe the SEC West and maybe the ACC Atlantic, I think he would adju- he would potentially adjust our prediction. If he goes to Miami... What if he goes to Florida? Would you consider... I think, I think the guys in... I tweeted this last night. I think the, the guys in Vegas would have a far more... I think they would lean Georgia. But I think if you're telling me what does Vegas predict, if he's the Florida quarterback, a perfect fit with Dan Mullen's system... I think Florida is far closer to Georgia than people think, and it would make us think really hard about who we pick in that division. If he goes to Oregon. We're, we're notable Dan Mullen. Yes. I'm a honk. Yeah. You can call me a Okay, honk, I have a question so. for you. But, but point wrapping up this first point, if he goes to Oregon, could be the front runner. He goes to UCLA, could be the front runner in their division. If he goes to West Virginia, may change the dynamic of the Big 12 unless he goes to Oklahoma. It, it, my, if he goes to Miami. That could change the, the who we pick in in the ACC Coastal. This is how my point is. This is how important sure. this player. How is. sure are we? He's the complete package at quarterback. They did not let him throw the ball. I saw him throw one pass in person last year, and he missed his guy. So I'm not going to sit here and say well, he I, dominates in practice, Mitch. I'm just I'm asking the question. I'm, I, not, I'm not saying he's overrated. I think he's pretty good. He was coveted. He wasn't a like. Jacob Eason was a top-rated quarterback, five-star quarterback. But no one talked about Jacob Eason as a once-in-a-generation talent or once-in-a-five-to-ten-year talent. People talked Fields about – Fields and Lawrence Fields were talked about like talked that. Talked about like that. Um, I, I think he's pretty damn good. And now that's why I like him better in systems like Dan Mullins, like Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley. Um, I don't like him as much in a pro-style system. Like Georgia. Like Georgia necessarily, which is always what I thought Lawrence and – I always thought Lawrence and Fields went to the wrong place, uh, in theory. Uh, as it turns out, Lawrence is just fine. Um, and, and so, listen, and, and the other thing is neither of us, I, I'll speak for you, I don't think we have a problem with him transferring. I don't think anybody cares. No, it's a little, it is a little strange. Like, uh, dude, what do you expect? Like, Jake Fromm was so already – a starting job? Yeah, but Jake Fromm was already an established, had a great freshman year, got better as the year progressed. No one, as good as Fields was – are projected to be no one looked at that situation and said wow you know Fromm showed some signs of weakness some cracks in there the, the job could be open Fromm was so good last year and he was great this year like, he was far better this year yeah but he was good he was, I, good, I think, he was good in the national championship game I agree I just think he took a major step forward and I actually think the Alabama game was the straw that broke the back for Justin if I had to guess what, what was in another human's brain is that he saw how good Right, like Jake Fromm is no longer just a game manager or system guy. Right. Like he's one of the best quarterbacks in America. Right. Well, I thought he changed. So, I thought in the playoff last year he kind of made made the proverbial leap from right. what game manager. And so again, I have no problem with him transferring, but this is just one of those like, dude, what do you expect? He, here's the thing: if he gets the eligibility and plays right away, and and this is where people are asking, well, why is that the case? How is that the case? What? First of all, we have video of a of a person using a racial slur towards him in the in the crowd. I'm not saying it's a legitimate reason, but the NCAA is not in a position, and this is important to remember, people. Right. The NCAA is not in a position to be anti-player right now. They're just not from from a million different metrics, whether it's optics or legal ramifications or whatever. And if all he's got to do is say, 
hey, I don't really feel comfortable on this campus because of some racial tension, which could be completely fabricated. The NCAA is going to tell you think they're going to look good by saying no to right. him? No. So I think there's a chance he plays right away. If he doesn't get granted the eligibility immediately, why the hell would you transfer? That's what I don't understand because you have to sit out a year anyway. Wouldn't you rather be a backup to Jake Fromm and be one, one play year. and be one play away and then be the starter next year anyway at a place like like as I tweeted last night again? There are a lot worse ways to go through college than to be the than to be one play away from being the starting quarterback at Georgia for two years, competing for SEC championships, and then being the starting quarterback at Georgia for two years. It's a pretty awesome way to go through college. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Again, if you're if you're going to be stuck as a backup, and you know Georgia's a great great place to be, I don't I don't fault him for wanting to play. Sure, I don't fault's not the right word. But if he really, truly had designs on playing as a true freshman, Georgia's not the best place to go. I, I don't disagree, but these th- these kids were lauded. I, as, I agree. Trevor Lawrence and, and, and Fields were lauded as, we don't care, we want the competition. That that was the talking the point. Georgia quarter, I think kids. the incumbent at Georgia was a little bit better than the incumbent at Clemson. Also, sophomore, not a senior. Right. Very different, I think. So I, it's, a, it's a fascinating story. Can I give you my wish list? Like, take, take SEC rules out of it. Take... You know, let's deem him eligible and let's deem him the starter at these jobs. My, my wish list, number one, Florida Gators. Just there's a rivalry there. He fits Dan Mullen's system. I think he makes the East Division far more interesting. Can you imagine the buildup to the cocktail party that year? Tremendous stuff. Uh, so my, my wish list is Florida, number one. Auburn, number two, just because same thing. They play Georgia every year. It makes the Alabama-Auburn thing interesting. Certainly, I think he fits Gus Malzahn's system. Number three, Oklahoma. Number four, Oregon. Uh, assuming Justin Herbert leaves, Herbert, uh, number five, UCLA. I would love to see him at UCLA. I think he would fit great in Chip Kelly's system and could change the dynamic of that division if he's as good as we think. Miami. Uh, Georgia Tech, simply because of the in-state rivalry and the switchover from the option to Jeff Collins. And I think Georgia Tech could be a front runner in that division if they were to get a great quarterback like that. And then West Virginia. I threw in there just as a Will Greer's gone, and could he affect the balance of power in the Big 12 if he goes to West Virginia? Because Texas is out, Penn State's out because Tommy Stevens. You know, I and he was a ri- I, I removed a lot Fields of schools. Fields was originally committed to Penn State yes. too. So I removed a lot of places where I thought there's sort of a a person there, or the quarterback room was strong enough, or maybe he didn't fit the system. So that's just my wish list. And what we assume think? he'll go to a, a good list. Um, assume out of all those schools. Is UCLA the only non? I guess Georgia Tech. There, there's some non top twenty five teams in there that might be top twenty five teams if if he goes. I mean, there. Auburn's is close, right? <laughs> uh, well, I, no, Auburn. Well, it's in, it's in every other year, so Auburn's yeah, going to be true. awesome. They'll be great. Uh, I just I love the incestuous nature of the SEC, so I just want. So you want to be? I want to go to another SEC. You want to be like the 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 matchmaker of free agent quarterbacks every offseason. Oh, I love it. Just you're back it. up here. You go here, I trade, make, make trade, go for a left I, well, tackle. I, I love that the SEC does what it does when it comes to like coaches, assistant coaches, players. It's just, it's just different than everywhere else. It just means more, Brady. <laughs> it does, and it's just, it's just silly. They just and weird. pay more. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's, um, yes, that's true. Uh, that's true. So, but um, one of my favorite parts of this whole process was a Georgia fan telling Dan Wall. I was at a basketball game last night. Did Dan Walken break it? It was a USA Today. I, I'm not sure who broke it, but Dan Walken had a story in USA Today about it. And a Georgia fan on Twitter told him he was this morning he was going to sue Dan and USA Today because they were deliberately doing this to hurt Georgia's recruiting. 
So I wonder how that lawsuit's Listen, going. Dan Wilkin is not exactly a fan favorite of many teams right but, now but, in the SEC. Um, but I don't think that lawsuit would really no, the, have legs. We, we've talked about this, that if we, if we live in a world where we can be sued for our opinions, that's a bad world to live in. This isn't this isn't that. This is not an opinion. This is breaking like, news. What, what is like the guy running? Which you have to be right about. Yeah. Let's be clear. You have to be you have to be accurate about that. And if you're not, you need to print a retraction. But, it, like that wouldn't. Does that mean like the guy who runs the USA Today Sports section is like a Florida fan? Like what? What is? Like think about how many layers. This is the same thing I love when, when fan says about any sport. Oh, the refs hate my team. I'm like think about what has to happen, the dominoes that have to fall for that to be the case. You would need some guy in charge of like the USA Today sports section to be a diehard fan of something else. Then he'd have to convince all of his editors to say, all right, I want you guys to go out and all cultivate sources for years that are anti-Georgia. Then we're going to only publish anti-Georgia. Like the amount of things that would have to happen for that to be true, like in, in the NFL, Roger Goodell would have to call in the head of officials, sit down with the head of officials and say, all right, we are anti-Oakland Raiders. Officiating. It's not anti-anybody. Yes. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so, so there you go, Justin Fields. Big news. Yeah, no. It, How surprised are you on a scale of? I was one to two. <laughs> well, I was at the game last night. My son said, "Ooh, Justin Fields, my transfer," and I was a, I was a holy s moment. I I don't swear in really? front of Gabe very often, but I did. Really, that big it was more of, that, the, that big of a surprise. It was more the timing. I just you know hadn't thought about it recently. It was just it was just more the timing. It's not surprising to me at all. No, it's not surprising. Big picture, like if you would have told me after the SEC yeah. championship game that. Justin Fields would not be at Georgia next year. I wouldn't be shocked, but okay. I just it just kind of caught me off guard. Okay, you can't you Mitch Light, good enough man, big enough man to oh, admit yeah. when he cusses in front of his son. Yeah, I have. It's backup quarterbacks do that to you. Yeah, it, starting <laughs> quarterbacks do that. I, I have, that. That's true. I have started to. Uh, I don't use the f bomb in front of the kids, but I, I say the the s word quite a bit. Well, at what, okay, this is fascinating. At yeah. what age can you start to like? relax the restrictions and bring in the bad words because i'm with you i would never get to the f word yeah. part and there are certainly some other words that i would never right. use like the tipping point was last chance you basically once i once, <laughs> I, once I watched last chance you with gabe what about I was your just, daughter who's uh, four what four years older 17 yeah when so did you she, first start using a cuss word around when probably when she was about 15 like i you do it more around Gabe because he's younger, but it's more like because both kids are older. They just happen to hear, yeah. yeah. So, um, and she'll swear so, in front of me just for shock. So, like eight sometimes. or nine is okay. Uh, no, that's too early. Too early. I think I think okay. twelve is a good. When did you have to stop swearing around them because they could start repeating it? Because oh. our, our two year old, yeah. <laughs> our two year old repeated the s word to my wife one time because like like a couple of weeks ago, and she was like at our first cuss word. I, I like, never oh, I guess, said it. In front I was of like, them. I guess we got to stop. Well, first of all, way. Heather doesn't swear at all ever, and I. I'd never said it. I mean, I might have slipped, but it wasn't like one of those, oh, I can say it because she's six months old. I just never did it. Okay. I'm, I'm a good um, parent. Brother. All right, let's cross over then, transition away from Justin Fields. Be fascinating to track that, though, to see if he gets a lot from a lot of levels. If he gets eligible, if he decides to transfer, there's just a lot of intrigue there um, from the Justin Fields. And I again, I think our magazine, I immediately started thinking, how impactful could this one guy be to what we are going to be doing in March and April? The good thing about together. this is that evidently he will be choosing soon. Well, and let's hope the eligibility thing doesn't right because that, that's so. like we we were stuck with the um, Shea Patterson, Shea Patterson yeah. which we we assumed he was going to be granted eligibility, and yeah. he was about like a week after we went to press. Um, all right, um, so playoff expansion, the arc of the playoff expansion story. We're, we'll get into a little bit about playoff expansion itself, but I'm really more interested in the in the story and and the conversation with you because 
at first we see the athletic publish a really nice nicely sourced article about how there is a sort of a, a quote groundswell of conversation had a former conference commissioner chuck ninus giving an example and sort of a foundational blueprint with, to, with some heavy big tin lean with some and with some barry alvarez certainly quoted a lot yeah. of powerful people quoted but nobody that actually makes the decisions which are the conference commissioners and a, and you probably throw in jack swarbrook of of, of notre dame and and the presidents of the universities, essentially, is, is how this goes. Well, since then, we've seen a, some stories published with a lot of quotes from all the conference commissioners. And Bill Hancock has been very out in front, the executive director of the College Football Playoff Committee. He, here's, my, here's my question for you. Do you believe, Bill Hancock claims that there are no conversations taking place. I view this sort of like an athletic director. You have to have that, that break-in-case-of-emergency box in your desk of list of names that in case your coach falls off a motorcycle with a girl who works in the volleyball department. Just hypothetical, right? Hypothetical, just totally making that up. That in case that happens in the middle of April and you're, you have to find a coach, that you've got a list of names. That's your job as an AD. I view it as the job of the conference commissioners to pretty much know exactly all of the different options that they could have laid out in front of themselves for expansion, whether it's six, whether it's eight, whether mm, there's auto involved. All that stuff. Here's two quotes I want to get your thoughts on. Well, okay. What do you, do you believe that they're having those conversations? Like, which? Forget the reporting on this. Isn't it? Aren't they not doing their jobs if they're not having those conversations? Yeah, I think you like like you said, ads are always looking. There. If I'm an ad at a Power Five school and I'm at a home on a Tuesday night watching college basketball, and Illinois State's playing well, I'm hey. Dan Muller's a pretty good coach. You know, like you're, you just you're, wanted to mention Dan Muller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not Dan Mullen. Yeah, right. You're, you're, Friend you're, of the pod. Yeah. Illinois State basketball coach, yeah, Dan Muller. You're always, you're always, oh, that, that guy's, you know, you, you got to be doing your job. You got to know the landscape out there. So I think the same thing is if you're on this very important, small, select group of people that have the ability to affect this, 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 uh, the way you determine a championship, you've always got to be listening to people, talking to people. Someone brings up an idea. Oh, I didn't think about that. That's a good idea. What about these dates? And that? yeah, you, you. What else are these guys doing? I mean, they got to be doing their right. their due diligence. So I feel like it is then our job to read between the lines. Ooh, right. And Detective so Gall. Here are the quotes from the commissioners. Quote from Bob Bowlesby: Four works. Not really a lot to read between there. Hmm. Quote from Greg Sankey: Had the SEC had two of the four yet again this year, it probably increases the conversation of expansion. That's in, that's a nugget there. Read between the lines. SEC takes two more bids next year. Maybe this conversation is bigger and louder behind closed doors. Larry Scott felt then, felt now. Four is absolutely the right number. His league's been like left that. out. Felt then, felt 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 then, yeah. felt now. It's a good it's a lot of feeling. That's a good fantasy football name. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of feeling. It's a lot of feeling for a guy whose conference has been left out. Right. Um, but that's what he says. Um, John Swarford. From the ACC, quote, most things evolve in one way or another. I don't mean that in the sense that it evolves necessarily with expansion. We'll just have to see. I want to tie that one into a Jim Delaney quote where he says, I've heard a lot more conversation about scrapping divisions in inside our league than I have expansion. So I'm going to put John Swafford, Greg Sankey, and Jim Delaney's together, read between the lines and say, I love, first of all, I love the idea of getting rid of divisions. If you make every championship game 1v2 in each of the Power Five Don't leagues. Say 1v2. 1 versus 2, okay. the top two teams, whatever. If you make it that in every major conference, the way the Big 12 is doing it right now today, I am far more okay. I still don't like it, but I'm far more okay with automatic bids. 
interesting. I am. Do you do you see what I'm reading? Yeah, I also here? don't. They're working their way towards automatic bids, which is part of expansion. Yeah, right? I, I, there's a lot to lot to chew there. Um, I like no divisions as well, just from scheduling standpoint. If you've you know you read Bill Connolly stuff on pods, there's a lot of stuff out there about how you can you can make the schedules better. So. Georgia plays Texas A&M more than every 15 years or whatever it is. Yep. It's just ridiculous. And I, I say this all the time. It's ridiculous that you have, and especially in the SEC and the ACC with eight games that you have. In the ACC, you can have a team competing for the Coastal Division who plays Florida State when they're good in Clemson against a team that plays neither of those two teams. That's 25% of your league slate, and you are competing for the same division yep. title. That's absurd. Happens in the SEC. Look at Tennessee this year. They didn't obviously compete for a title, but they had to play. Now they, hap- now they happen to beat Auburn. <laughs> yeah, they had to play Alabama and Auburn. Let's say Auburn was really good. That, that's next year. Yeah. 2019. But like, okay. Odd years, they're really good at Auburn. Yeah, even years, exactly. they're not. So, yeah. But I had this argument with friends about Vanderbilt and Tennessee this year. Vanderbilt played Ole Miss and Arkansas. Tennessee played Alabama and Auburn. How's that One, one went to a bowl game, one didn't. Right, exactly. <laughs> and one beat the other one. So, But, but yeah, sure, it, sure. in eight games, the schedules are so – different between these teams so i'm i'm for no divisions more of a pod play more teams less less you know um teams you play every year john swafford also floated the idea of questioning whether or not we were valuing the conference championship enough which you and i both are just so like absurdly anti-conference champion being your automatic qualifier unless there are unless they take major steps to make those championship games more worthy of being the deciding factor. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, you're not... Because I don't want Pittsburgh or Northwestern to be 60 minutes away from pulling an upset and eliminating all the work that good teams did during the regular season just because you happen to be in a worse geographic division. Like, let's say let's say Texas lost another game or two, and it was Oklahoma. The worst-case scenario is you have Oklahoma versus a 6-3 and three team. You know, let's say was, there was a three-way tie or even a four-way tie for second place in the Big 12 at 6-3. and three. That's like the worst-case scenario right? where we saw the worst-case scenario in the Big 10 and in the ACC this year. Now, either obviously, neither of those teams won, and there aren't automatic bids, so it's not a big right. – it, it didn't come to fruition, but that kind of gave us a glimpse of what we could see in the future. How, how much of all of this is predicated on – like, if you polled 100% of college football fans, so every college football fan. That would be a big – comprehensive poll what percentage do you think would be in like what percentage do you think would be in favor of expansion in general just forget all the other nuances playing the extra game the player safety the conference championship the automatic bid just take all that away Uh, the fact that all of it first of all let's just be very clear about all this this is about money for the schools like they're going to make more money off of an expanded playoff and it's about the phrase i always use is excellence versus access right now we favor excellence in our championship not access Barry Alvarez is complaining about access in that piece at, in, on the athletic. These conferences, when they continually get left out, they're complaining about access. What do you think fans value? The excellence portion or the access portion? I don't know. I mean, that's, a, that's a good, fair question. I don't know. Um, I, I would think, if I had to guess, I'd say 75-25 access. They want really? You think yes. it's that much? Yeah. Or 60-40. You know, I, I think more. I, I think they would favor the expansion, but I don't think it's as much as you think. Not not you personally, but just you'd think. Well, the rhetorical you. Now, thinking this through as a fan of the sport, if we're three years from now, and no offense to these programs, if Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia and Oklahoma, those five teams are still making the four-team playoff pretty much every year, some three of those teams 
then yeah, I'd like maybe to go to eight teams to see some different teams in the in the playoff. I want to see some fresh blood. Has that? I don't been know if that's issue, a good enough reason. Has that been an issue in college football for much longer than the playoff? Hasn't that? Isn't Not, it the same eighteen to twenty schools that win every national that, championship? That, that, there's a difference between three and four and eighteen to twenty. Eighteen to well, twenty is twenty percent. That's of just the, because Oklahoma is cycling up right now. For and, for, for years, eighteen to twenty percent was almost twenty percent of the. College football playing right, but like for a while, I mean, Florida State won every single ACC title for like nine straight years. Now it's Clemson's turn. But just, that's win. just a cycle. You see what I'm saying? Like it's not about. I don't think it's the structure of the playoff that's led to. But Alabama we didn't and Clemson. see. But it's we didn't just, see the same two teams in the BCS every year. We saw there was there was Oklahoma a lot. There was US, just, USC. But it's the same programs that have been competing for championships. But I'm just in the, in the for 50 years. It's just the timing of the playoff era. I understand what you're saying, but you got to understand what I'm saying too. If it happens for two or three more years, isn't that a Nick Saban thing though? Not like a playoff problem. Well, we'll find out. I mean, Ohio State has been under two straight coaches have been at the top of its game. Under four straight coaches, basically. Yeah. I, I just, I my point is, I I don't think that expanding the playoff it, it'll get the West Virginias and the Wisconsin's and the Oregon's and some of those teams a chance to get into the playoff and maybe compete but I don't think I don't think any of those teams are capable of winning three straight games so I think we're going to be stuck right where we were in the BCS and in the playoff which is the consolidation of greatness is going to be held by four to six teams every year those four to six teams rotate over, this, this over a course of time this is a bad example but I'm going to throw it out there anyway <laughs> FCS playoffs <laughs> really sell me on it Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> every year I look up hey you know what oh wow North Dakota State's playing James Madison or Eastern were, Washington or Eastern Washington but you know Northern, what they're 16 Iowa. teams my dad's friend went to Maine. He played baseball at Maine. Maine was on TV the other day. That's a new team in the playoff. I thought it was cool. I actually watched Maine okay, I'm with you. last Friday. Some, some fresh blood. No, no, I, I agree. I agree. I'd love to see the middle of the pack of the Power Five have a better opportunity, which leads us to the group of five. How much of this conversation is being driven by this UCF thing that has it's a life of its own because they are brilliant. A lot of it. Because they are brilliant marketers down there in Orlando. I mean, I think a lot of it. If, if, if UCF would have lost to Memphis in the championship game last year or lost to Auburn or Temple en route to piling, rolling up 700 yards, would have won that game this year, we would, there would not be a big push for group of five You don't all. think this is driven more by the power five brokers? No, I, I, there would not be this discussion because, because people did not really rationally think that a, a power five team – a group of five team could be good enough to make the four team. UCF is proving that maybe, maybe you can have the argument that they're good enough. See, I, I disagree. I don't think. No, any, they are. They I don't, are. I, I think that's happening in the public forum with us on Twitter and us as fans. I don't think the people who make these decisions could care at all. Could, they could not care. Well, less. that's what that's what's Jim driving Dele the, dis the, the discussion oh, I, is the discussion that us media fans have on college football. I, I think it's the people like Barry Alvarez. It's the guy who is close and almost deserving every single year but doesn't get a crack at it. I think they have far more power than Danny White or, or whatever at UCF. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think, know what, I don't think I don't know what your question – if I answered your question correctly. My, my point is that, my, is that UCF's emergence – I, I follow your answer. – has forced us to address this issue. And, and I guess why – see, and I, don't, I think we as fans and media – are, are addressing this issue and UCF is a part of that conversation and they have done so by like weaseling their way. They're like thought like a, 
it's like a tapeworm in your brain. They have just figured out a way to get themselves into your brain, and it's great for them and their brand. But this team was 0-12 a couple of years ago. They haven't earned the right to be in this conversation. I think it is, it's, it's Gordon Gee, the extraordinarily powerful and successful, lucrative guy that runs West Virginia. It's Barry Alvarez, the extraordinarily powerful guy that has a huge voice in the room when the Jim Delaney's of the world meet with the ADs of the Big Ten. I don't think think Danny White, I don't think the people that are deciding on expansion care at all about Group of Five teams. Okay, but you can't say that they don't deserve to talk about it because they were 0-12 three years ago. They are very good right now. And they're the one that's driving the discussion about whether this specific UCF team... No one was talking about, you know, before the season, we had, I think, Boise State ranked higher than any group of five team, maybe like 50, or in our top 25. We weren't at the time thinking, wow, I wonder if Boise State's good enough to make the, to, to be in the top 10 in the college football playoff. I, I don't have, but, and maybe this is, again, I, there's not a single part of me that thinks UCF's deserving of being in the playoff. N- not one part of me. Not even an 18 playoff. Don't even think they belong. They haven't earned anything. Their best win is Pittsburgh. They haven't done any. Here's UCF's schedule the last 10 years. The last 10 years, UCF has played 17 Power 5 opponents. In 10 years, they've played 17 Power 5 opponents. Everybody else in Power 5 football does that in two years. They went 4-13. and 13. They their, suck for a lot of Their that. wins I'm talking about this. Pittsburgh. And I'm, you're turning me into a UCF defender. No, no, no. Hang, on, hang okay. on. Pittsburgh, Maryland, unranked Penn State, and Boston College. UCF hasn't shown – Boise State has gone through and scheduled equally as difficult. Now, UCF has scheduled a lot of ranked teams. Number three, Stanford. Number six, Michigan. Number 14, Missouri. Number four, South Carolina. Number three, Ohio State. These are just the last 10 years that UCF has played. They've lost every time. And Boise State has had far more success. They're eight and six over the last 10 years against non-conference Power 5 opponents. So both teams have scheduled fairly evenly in the non-conference over the last 10 years. Boise State is far more successful, and UCF has not been. Well, I think they are good at marketing, and they are getting their message into our brains. My point is I don't think anyone of who actually makes decisions okay, that's cares at all about that. And, and let me think this through out loud. UCF's two runs of excellence have kind of come out of nowhere. The, the Blake Bortles year and then these two year. Boise State scheduled that way in an effort – to possibly crash the BCS party or at least be a top a 10 year team. Six, what they would have called a New Year's Six Because they then. knew they were good enough. They finally earned the respect of that Oklahoma win. So they could look ahead and say, okay, we're going to play Oregon. We're going to play Virginia Tech in D.C. We're going to play Georgia. Ole Miss. UCF was just scheduling Home good home teams. with Washington. Right. UCF just probably scheduled good teams because, hey, they need to fill out their schedule. They Maybe right. it's a bye game. So UCF is now in the position where – Okay, if they can sustain, we're good. We're going to try and schedule our way. And that's when they're having their difficulty in the whole thing with Florida. Part of me is like, dude, you got to be around longer. And have, UCF is the guy who shows up to your party wasted. You 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 got to earn it. Like Boise State showed up and they sat on the back porch, had a few cocktails, had a cocktail, had some conversation, met some ex- people, didn't elbow. You know, they got go to right know to, everybody at the they party. They didn't go right to the keg. Did a but, lot of listening, which my wife wants me to do at parties. You know, listen to people, get to know them. Like, this guy's the guy who, like, kicks in... The, UCF's, like, kicking in the door in, like, true Orlando fashion. Like, kicking in the door with, like, a 12-pack over his shoulder screaming obscenities. He's already wasted. UCF, you haven't earned the right to be at this party for this long, okay? You can be kicked out. So just be careful what you wish for, UCF. Anyway, part of the, I just don't think that 
when Jim Delaney, Larry Scott, Bob Bowlesby, John Swafford, and and Greg Sankey sit down with the Notre Dame AD and and a bunch of university presidents on an, on an executive committee to decide about expansion, there will be one little thing at the end of the conversation that says, "What do we do about the Group of Five? And that will be part. That's what. That's it has nothing to do with UCF. It has nothing to do with the twelve and O team. It's going to be, do we give them a seat at the table and an automatic bid into the playoff or not? That's it. It's all it's going to well, be. Well, don't you agree? If it goes to eight, that will happen. I think there has to be qualifiers on that. Okay, that's fine. Top 20, top 15. You have 15. to be top 15 because you can't have the best group of five team get earmarked into a playoff when they're 10 and 3 and they're ranked 24. Like Utah State or, you know. It's not going to happen, man. You can't do it. I, my, my point is, is that we in the media are being sucked into this like vacuum of conversation that UCF has brilliantly created when the real decision makers don't care about that stuff. It's up to you, Edo. It's up to you. <laughs> so I, I don't know what else okay. there is to, to add. Right. So to, this is a good time UCF for this conversation. As you noticed, a few minutes ago, my phone rang. My daughter's calling. So I'm like, oh, she's home from finals. You know, she needs something. This is all live. We're doing this. I live. know. Yeah. I know. So Leave the, it in. Leave it in. Yeah, no, there's a point. So I'm like, I kind of text her and say, taping the pod, everything okay. She's like, I need to know. Out to, should I get pancakes or French toast for breakfast? <laughs> she called you for that? Yes. <laughs> She's 17 She's years. the Danny White of the podcast. <laughs> yes. She's elbowed her way She's in. She's elbowed her way she into the podcast. She came in with, the, with some Zinfandel. Not, or, or, it's like a rosé. Yeah. Rosé is very hot right now. Yeah. It's very so popular. I said pancakes. Good call? Uh, I'm a waffle I, guy, but I like them all. But that wasn't, it was, it was pancakes or French toast. Oh, I, I like French toast. I'd go French toast. I think toast. pancakes are, pancakes are more solid, more consistent. You know, mm. who's a pancake? Like French toast could French be. French toast one, waffle two, pancake three in the power ranking for me. French toast could be Auburn. Could be like really good or something really bad. Pancake how, how is a, more. How could French toast be really bad? I don't, soggy. I don't know. I'm not, sometimes I, I like, like soggy huge, too. Okay. I like all okay. the French toasts. I think pancakes more like Georgia. You know what you're getting, solid. That's fine. If you okay. want to lose every time a championship's on the line, that's fine. I like. I'm with you. The waffles <laughs> are good, though. I'm a big fan of waffles. We make those at the house for the uh, for the little kids. They like the waffles. Um, yeah, I just yeah. Listen, we got this big, nice college football autonomy five party going on. It's black tie, and and frat boy from Orlando's kicking in the door, wasted already. Tank come on. top and George. Oh, tank top and George for sure. Like it's all frayed at the bottom. You know, like come on, come on. Just act like you've been there before, Danny. Even if you haven't, Danny. Danny boy do you take drugs Danny <laughs> every day what's the problem <laughs> all right so uh, from an expansion standpoint is there anything else you'd like to add about the expansion we, we've no, di we've discussed I'm, I'm, ad nauseum I'm, the yeah. structure nauseum is a good word I'd prefer six over eight I'd prefer four over six blah 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 so, so I, I'm I, fascinated by the by the by the process of it all. when when I could not sleep last, I'm changing the subject here when I could good. not sleep last night which happens on Mondays a lot because I sleep too much on the weekend which you don't have a problem because you've got little kids God, I one day want to wake up and say, I slept too much. I did. I sleep till like eight or nine on the weekends. Oh, my I cannot, God. I cannot fall asleep on Sunday night. It's great. What? Or jerk. last night was Monday, but. Um, brutal. So, watching SEC, flipping around SEC Network, they did some save in press conference. This kind of like, and I think you want to talk about briefly, have our opinions changed on the playoff matchups. And they were asking about Kyler Murray. And, like, he didn't mean it this way. And, but it's funny if you interpret it, talking about how good <laughs> Kyler Murray is. Can you simulate him in practice? You know, how do you prepare for him? He's like, no, you can't. He's so dynamic. He's, he can run so much. He said, I'm paraphrasing, but if we had someone who could do the things that he could do, he'd be playing for us. Isn't that like a shot at, a, at his own quarterback who was number no, two in the Heisman? I, I think you're looking. I know. I think you're I, digging I am. too deep down the barrel of that. It was, it was a he didn't say quarterback, did he? It was, no. Uh, play running back. Alabama, the only team in America where you could have Tua, Jalen Hurts, and Kyler Murray all in the field at the same time, and only Tua plays quarterback. Right. 
Jalen can play running back. Just, Kyler plays in the slot. It Done. was total total coach speak, but I thought it was funny. I was like, wait, yeah. what's? You know. I, I don't think anything's changed. I'm trying to talk. What happens like our predictions in the in the summer months? I, we have so much downtime that I try to talk myself into the other side of my feeling, and my feeling mm-hmm. is Alabama Clemson. It has been since freaking April. It ha- was in August. It was when they put the rankings it was, it out. Was, it was Michigan Miami a year and a half ago. <laughs> it's true, but. I try to talk myself into how it can be done or whatever, and that's really what my, that's all I'm doing right now is like, hey, is Notre Dame's front seven good enough to actually slow down the Clemson rushing attack and pressure Trevor Lawrence? I'm like, is is Oklahoma's offensive line with a with a freshman center who's really the really really good? Can he actually block Quinn and Williams? I'm like, that's all I'm doing right now, and we'll discuss those answers on the pod coming up next week. But I, I, all I'm trying to do is pick holes in my predictions at this point. Like I can't. Yeah, no, you just paralysis and. Analysis yeah. paralysis by analysis. It's yeah. just you can talk yourself into any argument at this point. So we'll have a whole pod uh, about all that stuff. We'll make the case for the the underdogs. We'll we'll do individual matchups. We'll make predictions, and we'll give you all the stuff you need to know uh, about that. That that brings us into uh, recruiting here for a second. And I want you to you're going to take over and ask a bunch of questions here. But I did want to throw out some some stats um, just to make sure everybody knows that uh, the Earth is in fact round, that climate change is a thing, and that recruiting rankings matter. And I want people to know about this. So, what, did, what what percent of fans do you really think that recruiting rankings don't matter? Everyone over the age of sixty. If you okay. still think the outcome of a bowl, 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 bowl game, don't don't those aren't the same thing. If you still think winning the Sugar Bowl is like the most important thing to a bunch of eighteen a bunch of eighteen year old kids, you probably think the Earth is flat, and you probably deny climate change, and you probably think that recruiting rankings don't matter. And yes, I am being condescending. You are. Because people out there need to be shooken, shooken, shooken out of their days. So here's uh, real quickly some stats okay. on the four teams that made the playoff as it pertains to recruiting rankings because a bunch of kids are going to sign this week. 18 of the 20 teams that have made the playoff had an average recruiting class the previous five seasons of 15th in the nation or better. Alabama was one this year. Clemson was eight this Washington, year. Washington, the one. The Al- Alabama won this year. Clemson, eight. Notre Dame, nine. Oklahoma 12. Oregon was 15th the, the year that they made it. So it wasn't Oregon. The, of the 18 slots, of the 20 slots, 18 of them were taken by teams that recruited in the top 15 on average the five years prior to that team making the playoff. Meaning you have to be in the top 15 to make the playoff, essentially. The two teams that did not, this is your turn. Washington. And? I was thinking about something else while you were talking because oh, I knew, I knew the stat. So just tell me. Michigan State. Okay. Michigan State was 29th. Washington was 25th in the nation. Those average rankings over the course of the five years prior to them making the playoff. And those two teams lost 62-7 to in the playoff combined. Michigan State, one of those programs that has consistently overachieved as it relates to its recruiting rankings over the past 10 years. And those are the types of programs that benefit from expansion, not UCF. The programs that benefit from expansion of the playoff are Wisconsin, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Michigan State, and Washington. Utah. Those types of programs. That's where access helps. It waters down the playoff, but that's what that's why Barry you said Alvarez. We were done is, talking expansion. That's why Barry Alvarez. You is can't. Talking. You can't quit expansion I can't, talk. I, I can't quit you. But point is, is if you're in the top 15 in recruiting, you got a chance at the playoff. If you're not, you you got a really really slim chance of making it, and then you're probably going to get smoked. So wanted to throw those numbers out there. Uh, and that Notre Dame is essentially, according to the team rankings, which does not take into account attrition, I understand, basically even with Clemson 
as far as talent goes. Eighth and ninth in the nation this year as far as how talented those rosters are. So, I would have thought Clemson would be higher. I agree. In two or three years, they will be higher. They, they have been better at developing. They don't miss. That's what's crazy good about Clemson. They, they cast a... It's, just it's, it's either they don't miss or they develop. They, 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 don't, they don't miss on their, on their hits. When they get the five-star, four-star guy, Dexter Lawrence, whatever, Trevor Lawrence, guys named Lawrence, they're just they're awesome. They, they hit on everybody. CJ yeah. Spiller, all the way back to him and since him. That, that was they, one of the first big ones I remember. They've hit on a lot of names. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think early signing period also helps the middle of the pack Power 5 team. I, think. I, I definitely think it does. It, so. it, it kind of um, – if you're fully committed to that program, you're going to sign. And if you're not fully committed and you're looking for better offers, you're not fully committed. Now, does the team still take you? Like, let's say, Bray, you have offers from Georgia Tech. Give me some, some uh, Clemson. No, that's that's middle of the pack versus top. Of yeah, the no, no. You have you have offers. Okay, you you committed to Georgia Tech. Okay, you have been since the summer. No coaching change. Whatever. Yeah, forget the yeah, forget, forget the, the fact that I love playing in the triple option. Yeah, for, and it's early December, and you're a wide receiver. P- Purdue's a really good one, actually. Right? Yeah, okay, top you're, you're, class. Yeah, you're committed to Purdue. You're 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 a wide receiver, and you've been hearing from Ohio State and Michigan. They haven't offered you yet, and then you tell Jeff Brom, Coach, I, I still love you, but I really I owe it to myself. I'm not going to sign in December. I'm still committed to you. If you're Jeff Brom and staff, do you say, hey, Braden, take a hike, or we understand? No, you have to say we understand. Yeah. You can't. Even though you're thinking he's gone. If there's a chance you can get keep him, you, you Because gotta, once you he signs him. and he's in your program, you forget about how he got there. Like, yes. it's not, you're not looking at yeah, that yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. You're not looking at that kid in two yeah. years. I remember when you didn't no, sign. No, there's no almost. It's not right. horseshoes and hand grenades. You, you either got the kid or you didn't. Okay, I, I want to know what the percentage is of kids who don't sign, who've been committed, who don't sign early, who stay committed and sign. I would say it's probably pretty high. I don't know. I, I would say it's, I, as someone, I would tell you okay. that I would guess that it's I'm not talking about on your recruiting show. You probably follow the big boys. You probably follow the, the top 10, 15 programs. I'm talking. I know what you're talking recruiting about. Recruiting teams in the 25 to 50 I range. I, I'm, I'm, there are probably a handful of guys that do get that offer from Ohio State and flip from Purdue to Ohio State. I can't remember what the I don't was his name Dalton Santos that was famously committed to Baylor for the entire time and then it, Texas swooped yeah. in and offered him a scholarship and he he jumped at it. Yeah. That's going to happen. I th- I think last year just but anecdotally I, there was two kids who at Vanderbilt who did not sign in December. Instead they were still committed. One signed Nebraska and I forgot where the other one signed. I, I think it happens, but I don't think it's Yeah, I just be two or three years out I'd like to see the number. Yeah, and if. it'll be so about so 72% of players signed last year. Uh, on the early signing period. I think many experts will tell you that that number could be higher this year. And obviously, again, we're doing this before Wednesday, so we'll know the number. But um, it, Is it a week? This, is there a it's it's a couple of days, but it's yeah, all going to be... It's not a week. It's like all going to be one center. day. Not, not the February one. Yeah, it's all it's all going to happen on one day, basically. And then there will be a boatload of coaching changes. Boat, boatload con- of coaching just changes. Just coincidences, right? Totally coincidence. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, okay, can I throw a couple questions your Please. way? Please. Okay. Colorado. Hmm. Decent job, good job, great job. You're saying it recruiting? No, just I've called football questions for you. Oh, okay. Um, Coaching changes type stuff. I think it's a good job. It's an okay job. Better uh, no. <laughs> in between okay and good. 
I think it can be a scale of one to twenty-five. I think you can be a routine top twenty-five team every year, where you jump up every couple of years and win your division. Okay. The key is not going like four and eight in between the times right. you jump up and win the right. division. A little, little more less schizophrenia. Yeah, yeah. Why does everyone love Jeff Collins so much? I think we talked about this last time, but I'm just struck by the just the unanimous love for Jeff Collins. Uh, I mean, Tech. he's from Conyers, Georgia. He's from in-state. He's responsible. He was on the coaching staff that created Joe Hamilton and Des White in the best offense created ever. <laughs> um, and he's recruited the greatest recruiting class in Georgia Tech history in 2006 when he was the recruiting coordinator. Um, I, he's got SEC experience. I mean, I can just go down. All I can do yeah. is go down the resume, and I think that's why people like him. And his team got better from year one to year two at Temple. So it's well, they, they got better each year. They got off to a bad start this year. They lost to Villanova right. in Buffalo. Yeah, home. yeah, that's true. They went from four and four to seven and one, I think, in the conference, though. So Fa- now you, I don't think you have the list in front of you, but you, favorite hire this year. I've got mine. Um, yeah, I definitely wasn't prepared for any of this. You were supposed to ask me recruiting questions. No, you said coach questions. <laughs> you said coaching change questions. I have it printed out on my okay. desk. Um, Chris Kleeman. Yeah, I, I think, think it's just a great fit there. I, I yeah, love you, that fit. you and me, me and you, you might and be me. like the only people. I think people are coming around after his. I think he won over a lot of the Kansas State fans with his press conference. I, I think we're pretty much ahead of the curve on the Cleveland hire. Just I think it, you have to hire a different style of person at Kansas State, and you explained that well on the last pod. I think. Will Hugh Freeze be the coach at Liberty in three years? No. Where will Hugh Freeze be the head coach? What's league? I mean, SEC seems yeah. like the most logical answer. Um, Will Hugh Freeze be the coach at Tennessee in 2024? <laughs> it's possible. Like, he strikes me like a Kentucky-Missouri, Ooh. but you know where I think he ends up? Where? South Carolina. Ooh. Yeah, that's what I would vote. Okay. Again, you don't have your list here, so I'll throw out some names. You can agree, disagree. What first-year coach from 2018 have you changed your mind about the most, good or bad? Now, we had our new coach rankings, like one through whatever, how many new coaches there were. We had Willie Taggart at five. Josh Heupel down at 16. I, I don't care. If you go undefeated again with the pressure and the expectations, I think he, he – I was not in favor of the – I did not love the Josh Heupel hire. And then we had Herm Edwards last. Now, people point out – that he took over seven and six team and went seven and six team, but he hired a good staff. They looked like a functioning team, they right, had good right. skill. Like I think he will be a good. He's not a debacle like some. No, I, I, I'm pleasantly surprised. Right. Sort of how I would describe. Her so any, any any coaches out there that you've changed your opinion on? No, I mean like Mario Cristobal, I'm fascinated by because but you, you I, were never a I've Cristobal never been a, guy, uh, and he didn't necessarily win a game or two or three this year that I like thought, oh, you really outcoached somebody. But in Washington, but he's going to sign the best recruiting class in Oregon history, which was part of the reason he was retained, including they just got the number one right. player in the nation, Kayvon Thibodeau. So I, I think, I think there's something to be said about that. I don't know if it equals success. Now, if they can convince Justin Herbert to come back and they then package another great class with him then I think Oregon could do something special. But I think that means expectations are higher for Oregon, and he needs to be – he's going to have to do better than, you know, whatever they finished this year. <laughs> yeah, than that record that they had. <laughs> Seven, eight-ish wins. He, in, has to be, four, he, has, I think. he needs to be better than that. He needs to be in the 10 and 11 win range. Okay, let, let's, let's bring it closer to, the, uh, closer to where we are, the, the SEC. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, Jeremy Pruitt, 
Joe Moorhead, I, I Chad li- Morris, any opinions I, changed? I literally know nothing about Jeremy Pruitt after 12 games of coaching football. Um, well, I, think, no, you, you, I, you, I think he's a great coach. Conf- I mean, a great recruiter. Confirm that he might be a little difficult to get along with. With the like, off- like the I said, I have not learned a single thing <laughs> about Jeremy Pruitt in 12 games of that coaching. you didn't know. He outcoached Mark Stoops in Kentucky. He outcoached Gus Malzahn in Auburn and then got his butt kicked in a bunch of other games that he should have been better at. So I don't think there's, there's two positives there. His team was terrible against Charlotte. His team wasn't good against UTEP. Right. They got destroyed by West Virginia. They got destroyed by Missouri and Vanderbilt. I don't give you. I don't rip on you for getting destroyed by Alabama and Georgia. Right. Although they played well actually against Georgia up until about the second half. I, I just think you can you can point to two positives. You can point to four or five negatives. He's a good recruiter. He's exactly he's five and seven. That was under the Vegas win total. I don't really know anything about Jeremy Pruitt. I think Dan Mullen's great. I think Jimbo Fisher's great. We learned both of those. I think Joe Moorhead. It might be a little much. For him in the SEC, but well, Chad Morris, I think Chad Morris recruited very well, right? His, his recruiting, he's going to sign a top twenty class this week, and it is he, he is selling playing time the way Jeremy Pruitt is selling playing time, and they are both doing an excellent job on the recruiting trail. And actually, with Mississippi State picking up a big top one hundred commitment this week from an offensive lineman, Mississippi State's a top potentially a top fifteen class this year. That, that was one of so the questions of the, about Joe Moorhead coming yeah. in. Recruit? Can he can yeah. he swim in those waters? And he yeah. And I think that's really what's interesting in recruiting this year as we as we get into the early signing period conversation. I think it's um, – I think Purdue, Jeff Brom, one of the best classes ever um, I, in Purdue history. He's gone into Louisville and <laughs> picked up players. I, I think there is – you know, the USC-UCLA thing to me is fascinating from a recruiting standpoint because there was, there was a lot of issues around Clay Helton, a lot of uncertainty – Cliff Kingsbury has sort of settled some of that down, but Chip Kelly ha- is t- is slow playing this recruiting thing so much right now. He wants to take, he- he's being very meticulous in his process, very opposite of his offense, uh, in his recruiting process that he didn't capitalize on all the uncertainty around USC and did not land enough player. Like if you look at recruiting rankings, you're like, where the hell is UCLA? They're not anywhere. So I think it's a long term build for him, and he I don't think he's capitalized on the uncertainty around USC this year. So that's a big, that's a, a sort of a big note there for me. Um, the new coaches in the SEC, I think, is going to be a story. They did a great job, and then Alabama could sign the greatest class ever. Oh, really? I mean, they, they could sign the greatest class ever assembled. I mean, they they're number one in the nation right now, and I think the story. If you're listening to this podcast, here's here here. Let's do like a preview of what the headlines will be. So this podcast is being recorded before early signing period. A- Alabama, Nick Saban. I cannot believe that with a almost full class and the number one rated class in the nation went out and won a bunch of battles on National Signing Day and landed a bunch of kids that I don't even think they have room for because they're so stinking good. And they figured out early signing period after quote-unquote struggling last year that, they, they, that they've signed maybe what is considered the best recruiting class of all time. You heard it here first. Yep. Braden Gall. Yep. Did you hear it here first? Probably not. You no. probably heard it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so, any other recruiting questions you have at all? I had none. I had coaching questions that I thought you asked me to. Um, yeah, I just there's there's so much intrigue in the team rankings that that I was, um, like I said, I think Purdue is in a great spot. Oregon, best recruiting class in the history of that program. Michigan's way up there. Uh, Georgia's just dominating. Um, so uh, it, it it'll be interesting. USC, UCLA are way down. That's Florida State. So. Uh, it was it was an interesting class. They lost a couple of guys as the season went along, but they'll finish they'll finish strong, and, and it will not be. It, I don't think it'll be sort of in that same 
boat of like where Oregon and Alabama and A&M are, but I would put it, you know, just outside of the, I don't know where they're going to finish. I don't think they're going to get anybody big in the final stretch here. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't, I wouldn't have them as a, this is not a vintage Jimbo Fisher style. Cause A&M's number one, two or three, depending on what you look at really just two. That's the vintage class, best class probably in A&M history for, for that matter uh, as well. Florida state, Probably going to finish near the, the top 10-ish mark. Probably. How's my boy uh, Chris Creighton doing at Eastern Michigan? How many five Hang stars? On, let me, let me, I got a scro- scrolling. Uh, scrolling? Scrolling. Oh, it starts from the bottom. It starts from the, like. It, yeah, it starts at 130. Okay. And goes up. Scrolling. Actually, scrolling. For the, more than that. Still still scrolling. Um, Western Michigan. Okay, past them. Okay. All right. Uh, East, Eastern Michigan. Still scrolling. Still. Starts with an E. Still still scrolling. Uh, Central Michigan, 96. Okay. Uh, still, <laughs> Eastern. Still, still scrolling. Got to 100. Uh, still scrolling. You want me to keep scrolling, or I just you sure you didn't miss him at the top? Hundred seventh, fourteen commitments. Okay, pounding the pavement. There you go. Okay, getting the, getting the job done. Hey, two bowl games in three years. <laughs> I'm not denying that they're good. I'll be in the greater Yipsilani area. Area. Oh, uh, next week. Party. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, all right. You got a question for me? A quick question of okay. etiquette, um, since you didn't prepare any questions. Um, I will. I've been working. I will have a party. I'm hosting a party for my wife's work team. She manages a little group. She manages a small group, and they are all coming to my house tonight on a on a weeknight. What's on for a dinner? School night. I get up at about four thirty in the morning to do a local radio show, and they are all arriving at six p.m. Uh, it's about it's twelve people total with about three other kids total okay. and our two kids. So I'm assuming the, the, the couple with two kids probably leaves fairly early. So I'm not worried about them. Okay. <laughs> There's a handful of couples that aren't married. Ooh. Yeah. Those are the ones I'm worried about. Yeah. The, the, the guys, the, the, the men and women who could be straggling around. What night? What? Is, it, is it a Thursday night? It's a Tuesday night. Okay, Tuesday's so, good. So, so Thursday's what, a little weekendy. Yeah, it's weekend-ish for sure for young single people. Yeah. What is the proper etiquette to signaling without being rude to your guests that they need to get the hell out of your house because they are lingering? I think what is the proper strategy? I think you go full out diaper change right in the middle of it. Oh, no, they'll be asleep. Kids will be asleep. You wake them up. <laughs> you full out diaper change. Start passing around a crying in baby in front of everyone. <laughs> and be like, you know what? They got things to do. It smells in here. So what? What in an ideal situation? You want them out of the house by nine? Uh, if everyone is gone by nine. I will consider the evening a, a huge success. Okay. There's a sporting event that I need to watch for work that night. Okay. So. Yeah, you said earlier doing dishes is always a good one. Yeah, that's what I was told is just start let the dishes sit for a while. Yeah. And after about an hour and a half of everybody being done Here's eating, one. go over there and start to put put the you know put the recycling Here. out and start you know fixing the cleaning the dishes, putting things in the dishwasher. Here's what I would people do. People start to get the hint. Should I change in a pajama? Pants no, that's what I was going to say. I go and change a sweatshirt. Cause I'm I all I wear like, like you know Nike or Adidas running shorts and, and like a sweatshirt or a pullover. That's like what I wear around the house like ninety percent of the time. So they come over. I'm wearing jeans. I'm sort of dressed up. I go change. Mm-hmm. Come out. Got the short. And put the hat on backwards like you've got right there. <laughs> That's clearly a sign we're so, moving on. So wardrobe change and start cleaning. Yes, I think you're good. Okay. Sounds and if like they, sounds like we got it. You know what? I'll report back next week. F them if they don't get the hint. Just tell them get lost. And but hey, the, caveat: the, your wife is the, the boss, so it's not like she's gonna. Yes, that's the problem. But that's but I also like these. They're good people. I like these people. I'm not trying to. be You rude. like them now? 
Yeah. Will you I, like them after? No, probably not. What's but, for dinner? Uh, it's catered. What? Uh, it'll be brisket Ooh. and smoked turkey. And Can I come over and help you like navigate the situation? I'd be like, yeah, Cyrano de Bergerac. To? I'll be outside. I'll yes. give a little earpiece. Is it, is it too rude? To, like, so I know you don't watch Very Cavalry, but there's a scene in Very Cavalry where Jay I, Cutler. I've been, I've been known to watch. Well, so I've seen every episode. My daughter was in, in yes, episode four. Only because I, I love watching. Because all the things that make Jay Cutler a great reality TV star are the things that made him a bad quarterback. Because uh, he doesn't care about right. anything. He literally doesn't. Uh, he care. has a he has a girl parking on his lawn every time. So we have, the next time they're coming it's over, he puts out. out cones, and it's just the funniest thing in the world. I asked my wife if I could put out cones because we have a people tend to get under. I, yeah. I I'm very anal now that I have a yard. I'm like, don't drive on my grass. No, here's what you do: put a sign, two hour parking limit. <laughs> oh, that solves all my problems. Yes, you start I love that. Tickets after two, <laughs> you get a little ticket. Start writing tickets. <laughs> it's like. It's like from it has like little logos from my kids on right, it because yeah. it looks like a kid's ticket right. ticket book. Just put a sign, two hour limit. All right, I like it. <laughs> I've given you the tools yep. to, to extricate yourself from this. You've given me the coaching. I've got to yeah. go execute. I play. can take you to water. And right. I can teach you how to drink. All right. Well, uh, is there anything else about recruiting national signing period that you are intri- interested in and want to comment on or, or no? Because that's this week. It's, yeah, it's soon. Okay. All right, um, at Athlon Mitch, you can follow him there, at Braden Golf. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Next pod, college football semifinal preview podcast. We'll do that uh, in just a couple of days, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening. This is the Athlon Sports Cover 2 podcast. <laughs> <laughs>